When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Jesse, I couldn't be more excited to record this episode. We're finally getting to talk about the AMG Minicon. This is good. This is very good. That's Minicon 2, and I, and I say that because... Next year, we'll be saying Minicon 3. You're right. It's just so cool that we get to kind of staple this moment in time, the excitement of the MCP community. And Chris, I'm hoping a lot of new people are finding the game right now and new people are finding the podcast. And if if you are here and you're new, welcome. And we're going to try to go through everything that happened at the AMG Mini Stravaganza 2 today in great detail and give our excitement on it because, you know, there's so much to discuss, Chris. And a ton. Yeah, and we will say there's going to be a lot of this today that we're going to come back to in the future. So if there's something we didn't quite touch on as much as you would like, don't worry. We'll return to it. It's a ton of content today. It's like one of our normal news roundup episodes, but so much more. So I think we just need to get right into it, Chris. Oh, yeah. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show and you like to join our Discord community and discuss this game with us, check out our Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, a very, very big and very special shout out to our number one, Riker M. Thanks, Riker. Thanks, number two, or number one. Get it right. <laughs> that was a test. Every week. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm referencing our Star Trek discourse two episodes ago, you know? Uh, Kerpla, brother. <laughs> and of course, like every week, our Avenger-level producers, the Zack Attack, Rusty, and Keith, my main men. 
thanks guys thank you so much thanks to the producers that make this show happen and there's a lot of things that we're working on in the future guys so if you want to join our discord community you can jump on the patreon and join and there's a lot of great conversation going on we had a blast in the patron discord on amg mini stravaganza weekend we absolutely did we were just we were catching wins with every single announcement everything was w after w it's just reveling in it man it was great so if you'd like to be part of that and support the podcast we've got a lot of future plans check it out but chris i think we've got to get into all the news there's so much let's go all right jesse let's just start it off we got dormammu we knew he was the test run so here it was the coup de gras the cherry on top until we get a sentinel hulkbuster is coming to the game jesse give me your thoughts man This is pretty incredible. I think he's probably one of the most exciting models to come to the game, not necessarily because the character Hulkbuster, though that is very amazing, and it's amazing we're getting our next iteration of Tony Stark. We were hoping we'd get another Tony Stark, and this is the first one we get. Very cool. What's super cool about this, Chris, is like you said, they kind of set the stage with Dormammu with the mini size and the play style and these high threat models. And Hulkbuster's the sixth threat. He's up there with Hulk. It makes sense. He's up there with Magneto. And those models do crazy things on the game already, so we can expect the exact same thing from Hulkbuster, and honestly, some of it even more. I am kind of blown away, and almost, he kind of makes me rethink a six-threat model. Okay. In this way that he's not just like a stone-cold killing machine. It's true. Hulkbuster's got a lot of utility, man. I would agree with the utility. He's very cool. He does have a lot of control. He does have a lot of damage mitigation, all that. We're about to get into that shortly. But I think the biggest shock to me, Chris, when we saw his model reveal was that Tony's emergency suit is his injured side. And here's what's cool. Neither card, that's the Hulkbuster or the emergency eject suit, Iron Man, have an injured side. They're both healthy. And I want you guys to think about that when you frame this conversation chris and i are about to have because that means on both sides he's healthy for all objectives and that just kind of changes the rules too like that's the state of the game that's one of those things like the only character that did did this before was hulk because hulk doesn't have an android side when hulk hits 20 hulk is gone but that means that hulk's always healthy for purposes of winning objectives and it's the same thing with hulkbuster and his second form oh my gosh the second form i think that's the main takeaway for it is is you defeat the hulkbuster all right, this is great. This The tide is turning. And then Tony pops out. The repulsor has just insane control ability. Right. And he's healthy. And it, this is presumably at least round four. Like, I, I don't think Hulkbuster dies at least before round three. Like, right? I'm not the best player in this game, but seriously, come on. Well, I think you're probably right if you're playing him right. So let's just get into his stat card. His name is Hulkbuster and his alter ego is Tony Stark on The Hulkbuster side, he has a stamina of 13 and a move of medium, and that's on a large base. So that's Hulk Hulk moving medium. He has a height of four and a threat cost of six. His defenses are four physical, three energy, and three mystic. So Chris, right out the gate, he's got really good stats. But I will say we do have to talk about that Iron Man's emergency suit. We got to talk about it real quick to kind of frame the full idea. We absolutely do. Hulkbuster has 13 stamina. Iron Man has five, giving Hulkbuster as a whole 18, right under Hulk. And then Iron Man's emergency suit has a medium move, a height of two. And the defenses are two physical, two energy, and three mystic. Because it's an emergency suit. It's not the normal Mark suit. It's not going to have good stats. And that's intentional in the design as well. But we say that because before we read Hulkbuster's attacks and superpowers, you've kind of got to know the whole 
how it works. You know, it's 13 and five. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And this is what makes this character really compelling to me. I would already thought that Hulkbuster would be so interesting on the board and do that thing, Chris, that I've been talking about, why I'm going to get my Dormammu painted immediately, (laughs) because I want to have it on the table and new players or not even players of this game at all, walk by table presence, get people to the table. I'm glad you said that, Jesse, because I really feel like this happens every mini extravaganza. Well, it's happened twice now. I expect it for MC3. Yes, I coined that right here, right now, MC3 next year. But do you remember when you first heard about this game? And, And everybody listening, the vast majority of you heard about this game when it was previewed at Gen Con. Those pictures went viral oh yeah yeah of the avengers fighting in a subway like it was amazing and here we are two years later in every mini stravaganza every mini con every mc that hype returns because they give us something that just gets everybody so hyped up in the game gets back out kind of into the tabletop gaming zeitgeist again because of these crazy changes because of these things they're doing because of the execution of the models it's awesome and the fact that we, we will now have this dormammu this giant model this hulkbuster which everyone is going to remember and love from the avengers films from the mcu it's wonderful i mean these are conversation starters at the game shop 100 percent. like you bring this model with avengers People are going to come over the table and see what's happening. You're going to yep. get a lot of people. This is going to be one of my new go-tos, Chris, when I do my demo days. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. already have Avengers in my demo day lineup, but now we're going to bring Avengers and I'm going to bring in Hulkbuster because you can see him from a distance too. It's a really incredible thing. Shout out to uh, Krabok in the early days when Krabok was getting video footage of MCP at Gen Con because yeah. that between that and my good friend, Timothy Bunn, I was fully converted to MCP. You transferred that that energy to me very quickly. Well, we can thank Krabuck and Tim. And of course, you know, I was just so excited about a Marvel miniatures game on a smaller model count scale. So cool. Now, Hulkbuster has two attacks, Chris. They're both very good. The first one is an energy attack called Heavy Repulsor Blast. It's range three. Six dice builder costs zero to perform it. After the attack is resolved, Hulkbuster gains power equal to the damage dealt. Here's what's cool, though, Chris. After the attack is resolved, if it did not deal any damage, Hulkbuster just gains a power. So this is kind of like Black Widow's Rapid Fire and a normal strike built together, you're going to get one power no matter what, but you're probably going to get a lot more because as we know, six dice builders in this game or higher are just insane. I mean, this is why Magneto and Dormammu are capped at six because, yes, I mean, these are the heaviest hitting characters in the game. The last clause in this is after the attack is resolved, push the target character way short, no size restriction. It's just happening. So you're getting one power and you're getting a push no matter what. And then ideally you get damage, a bunch of power that you built off the strike and a push, ideally. Do you think that that no size limit on the push survives? Great question. I have a feeling that everything, everything is going to have a size limit. Anyway, we'll get to that more later. But Mm -hmm. this builder is, it's right up there for one of the best in the game immediately. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. No. I mean, I think the only thing better than this would be obviously Dormammu or Magneto when he's at range two, when he can reroll any number of the six dice. But Magneto does have to be range two. This is innately better though, Chris, in some ways, because it is energy 
And now, without a doubt, energy is the least represented defense in the game. It's the worst defense across the board of all models. So once again, Dormammu's is energy as well. So we're seeing the potency of these things. But Magneto's is physical. So there are some similarities and differences. They're all very powerful. What's so powerful about this is you're always going to gain a power. So you can kind of guarantee you're going to do your superpowers. This is where it gets kind of crazy. It's kind of a stop loss, uh, even if you whiff, which, man, it happens to all of us, uh, unless you're the, just an incredible gamer. But barring that, that guaranteed power is just, you just can't think of many reasons not to be throwing this if you have the opportunity in an activation, especially early game. It's just it's just too good. There is a There's a very high floor to it, and there's also a very high ceiling. I don't see the problem. There's no problem. And the auto push is insane because it's, you know, once again, you don't need to deal damage to do the push either. So that's incredible as well because range three is Mm -hmm. pretty good. I mean, from a model of this size, range three is a lot of the board. You got to think about his base adding to his range as well. If this was four, it'd be out of control. So, but moving on, he has a really cool spender. That's a physical attack called meteor punch. It's also range three. So that keeps our, our mind locked on this character. He kind of wants to keep people at range three. If he can, it's a strength of eight dice and a power cost of three. First part of this is the target character does not gain power for damage dealt by this attack. Very that is powerful. so sick. That's huge. This is one of those things why a lot of the competitive players in the game hate spenders that are big attacks because they don't want to give their enemy a bunch of power. That yeah, makes perfect sense. This gets around that. It gets crazier. If this attack deals damage, at least one damage or more, and the target character is size four or less, after the attack is resolved, the target character may be thrown away medium. That's a quite a throw, Chris. We're not even done with this attack, and for three power... We have gotten a lot, a lot of value already. You're right. But there's more. There's still more. It has the wild trigger explosive, which, you know, sometimes doesn't happen. But when it does happen, it's cool. Before damage is dealt, other enemy characters within range two of the target, the person you chose to attack with the spender, they all suffer one damage. So it's got a little bit of spreading damage around, too. You know, in this house, we love an auto ping. We do. And we also love a robot doing a giant punch mm-hmm. mcp gundam now man who's Absolutely. gonna be the first person to convert this into a gundam by the way you mean full conversion like actual like the angular shoulder pads and everything yeah everything it could be me chris <laughs> <laughs> i hope so <laughs> or or i could do something it, yeah who knows i mean might take inspiration from some kaiju film colors or something too i mean those jaeger colors are pretty cool this would look good in the gypsy danger pacific rim colors as well it would blue and orange are there's a reason they go together. So before we talk about his affiliation, we're going to talk about his superpowers because turns out he's the third leader of the Avengers, which was a curveball, Chris, I was not ready for. That's probably the craziest thing on this card to me, actually. Well, I want to talk about that, but we'll get to it. Let's start with his first superpower, which is already OP just because he's, his attacks are so great, but it's hit and run. Yep. You're going to spend two on this. It's going to take up an action like every other character. Hulkbuster immediately makes an attack action followed by a move action. Of course, it can only be used once per turn. This is great. I love this power. Always. It is great. Hit and run is just the slightly less overpowered charge. You know, charge is obviously better, but hit and run is still amazing. Like if you have Cyclops, if you have Goblin on your team, you want to hit and run as much as you can because it's just action economy. Like you're getting a move out of Scott and a strike or something, or you're getting a move out of Norman Osborn and a strike. So no different 
with Hulkbuster. You're getting an attack and then hopefully you're moving up the board, sitting on an objective, ideally. That's pretty cool, Chris. And then you've still got an action left, like you said. So I really, really like that. His next superpower is an active superpower called Now I'm Mad. It costs three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less and within range two and throw it medium. Superpower can only be used once per turn. So this is a weaker version of Hulk's throw, but still a impressive throw because Hulk can throw characters and terrain, of course. But I mean, come on, it's it's not he's not Hulk. <laughs> yeah, you don't want him to be a clone of Hulk. No. So moving on, his next superpower is a reactive superpower. It is called Built to Take It. It's going to cost you one power. When Hulkbuster is targeted by an attack, he may use this power. Reduce the amount of damage dealt by this attack by one. This character cannot be pushed as a result of special rules during this attack. And that last sentence is the true reason we're <laughs> spending that power. The damage reduction is super sweet. Nice little add-on, but come on. Not being able to be repositioned as such a large threat character mm-hmm. is kind of crucial because that's how you beat these guys, right? Is yeah. is move them, reposition, force them to use an action yep. instead of being able to double tap, which is, uh, you know, as the Wills told us several times this weekend, is very powerful. Is very powerful. But we can't understate, too, that just auto-reducing one damage, We've, we know how strong it is on characters as simple as Lizard, Corvus Glaive, you know, Black Dwarf, Luke Cage, the list goes on. So he's basically paying for that invulnerability. But he's always going to have it, Chris, and his defenses are really fine. 4-3-3, three, three. so this is almost like an auto-block on top of all those, so that's a really nice thing, because it does not actually say reduce to a minimum of one. Notice that. Yes, I did like that too, because if you're powered up, there's a great chance you can you can keep that ping from happening to flip the card and get one last activation. And we've talked about on the show a lot, sometimes there's things you do in games that your opponent knows how your characters perform. It's control without you doing anything. And if you see a Hulkbuster across the table with a bunch of power, you're really asking yourself, do I really want to attack him? Because he's going to reduce all this damage. Right. He's not going to be able to be pushed. And it's kind of a you cause an issue with your opponent's decision tree. And that's great. That's what you always want to do. You always want to present your opponent as many questions as possible and see which route they go. And then you respond to it. So very, very strong. So moving on to his Iron Man emergency suit. Okay. He only has one attack. It's range four, strength of four, energy attack, rapid repulsor blast, cost zero power. It's not a strike. It's just a auto gain one power. After the attack is resolved, this character gains one power after this attack is resolved, push the target character way short. Once again, not a size restriction. And a lot harder to get, Chris, than the other rapid fires in the game. You have to get a wild. But then if you get a wild, you trigger rapid fire. After this attack is resolved, Iron Man may make one additional rapid repulsor blast attack, and it must target the original target character. And then the additional attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. So you can never go more than two, but that's very cool. Double short push, though. If it happens, right? Nasty, nasty, nasty. And then gaining power twice right which is the best part so if he gets a wild right. you're just kind of guaranteeing you gain two power because he's gonna need it chris because i well, we mentioned at the top but the actual language on how he transforms into this iron man suit is on the hulkbuster side it says if this character would flip his sat card to the injured side instead place the iron man hulkbuster within range two of it very cool range two and then remove the hulkbuster from the battlefield iron man eject suit Hulkbuster now has no damage, no power, no special conditions or effects, and is now part of your squad. Also, Chris, the Hulkbuster gains one additional power during the power phase. We didn't mention that yet. 
oh, what's that? Yeah, these are still new characters to us. So if you want to frame this discussion, <laughs> it's crazy. Because now, as long as Hulkbuster strikes once in his turn, he has enough power to meteor punch every turn. Because you're going to get two power of the power phase. And then just a strike is guaranteeing one power no matter what on its worst day. Repulsor Blast. Man, straight down Main Street, park him in the middle. <laughs> it's right. That's incredible. That amount of damage that he can put out when he's able to double tap. I mean, plus the fact that he can get a movement. I mean, he can he can double tap and the last tap could be a hit and run. I mean, you're right. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, he can keep himself safe. But continuing with the Iron Man eject suit from the Hulkbuster. He has a couple superpowers. We'll talk about New Plan first. It's a reactive power called New Plan. Costs two power. After an attack targeting this character is resolved, if this character was damaged by the attack, it may use the superpower. Iron Man advances medium. So think slippery on Toad, but on Iron Man. Speaking of being able to stay safe. It's true. I want Corset Iron Man to have this. This is super cool. You may have that chance. It's true. And then he has two innate superpowers. The first one is secondary support suit. When this character would be dazed, it is KO'd instead. Also, this character could not be included in rosters and is never deployed at the start of the game and can be put into play only as a result as the enhanced support system superpower. So this is like inverse Ant-Man where it's not like only this comes out if this thing is met, not transforming into this, you know? And I guess that means that Sinister can't use cloning banks for this particular card? That's right. He cannot. Good catch. His last superpower is innate flight, which is very nice. It's funny, Hulkbuster does not actually have flight, but it doesn't seem to matter because he's a size four. So size fives are the only thing that are going to cause him problems. But I find that interesting. But Chris, we have to talk about this last superpower on the Tony eject suit card. An active power called always have a backup. It costs... 10 power. We've never seen this number before. (laughs) Place a Hulkbuster character within range one of Iron Man Hulkbuster. It has no damage, power, special conditions, or effects. Hulkbuster gains an activated token. It is now part of your squad. Remove this eject suit Iron Man from the game. He got it back. I don't know how or who it's going to happen for, but man, it's going to be so cool when this happens for like the four people it's going to happen for. It's crazy. I don't know. If a game of MCP was eight rounds, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. But a six-round cap, like like I said earlier, Hulkbusters probably should not be dying before round three at the earliest. Like, it just shouldn't be possible. So if he dies in round three and they just have blown everything on him or been extremely lucky, you have three rounds to gain 10 power without a true strike right and only five wounds to give so what i'm saying is hulkbuster is the clear choice for my scott team there you go how did i bring it around to that guys i have no idea you always bring around to scott but scott's not superpowers it's only attacks well back to the drawing board (laughs) this actually makes hulkbuster in my mind chris and we can talk building in a second this is crazy. It's the coolest thing I think we've seen in the game. This is as cool as yeah, Dormammu very cool. bringing back a three threat back to life, right? They're doing mm-hmm. really dynamic things with these big threat models now. What's funny, though, is Dormammu's is always going to happen pretty much. This one, yes. not going to happen very often. But that's okay because you you had 13 stamina of Hulkbuster, and now you have five stamina of a weaker than Corset Iron Man 
for obvious reasons because the eject suit is not the actual right. suit and that would just be too powerful like if we had a three right. threat come yeah. out of a six threat that's how that hulkbuster side of this card is as amazing as it is is because of this compromise yeah which is still crazy right and obviously they built in him not having a true strike because he would get the hulkbuster back exactly way more often so I find this very cool. Now, we've got to finish and talk about his affiliation, and then we can talk about possibly where Hulkbuster fits in other affiliations. So I will preface Chris and say there's a clause on this affiliation that seems weird, but we'll make it clear on here. If your squad is using the Hulkbuster leadership ability, when this character is put into play, you are still using the leadership ability. All this means is whether you're the Hulkbuster or you're the Tony eject suit, you still have your leadership when the model changes, you don't lose your leadership like the game would be normally, right? When a character's KO'd and uh, that sort of thing. It's still the same character. It's just a different stat card. And the, the leadership's right. the, the same. So the leadership, Hulkbusters, affiliation, Avengers. This is our third Avengers leader. When an allied character would suffer damage from a collision, reduce the amount suffered by one. I can break this down real easily, Chris, because this is kind of insane. It's really good. First of all, when you are thrown into something... The ping from being thrown into something is a thing of the past. That's gone. You don't take any damage from being thrown into things anymore. Okay, so that's step one. Step two, when you're thrown into an ally, okay, you don't take the ping anymore like you used to by being thrown into an ally. And now the ally makes the save like normal. Let's say Cap was thrown into Hawkeye. Hawkeye would have to make a save of three, right? Because it's Cap size plus one. Hawkeye's got pretty good physical defense. Let's say he blocks one, but then takes two right? He didn't do a very good roll. Doesn't matter what he takes at the end of that amount, it's reduced by one. Not to a minimum of one. No. So pings are a thing of the past when you're thrown into things and thrown into allies. And then when allies make saves, whatever amount of damage is left after they didn't save from a throw, you take off one damage from that. This is a Brotherhood and Asgard counter. 100%. And it's going to be very easy to put him in your you know, bag of 10. Yeah, it's true. Backpack now. <laughs> it's going to be very easy to put him in there. And as soon as you see that as guardian squad, as soon as you see that brotherhood player, you know who you're taking. Right. Because we've talked about when you choose your affiliations in this game is not until squads have been chosen. Squads have been deployed. Then you decide what your leadership is, which is crazy. Chris, you could literally have. Yeah. I love this. Just think about this. We'll get real weird because this is the type of stuff we do at home that the competitive community doesn't get to do as much. You could have Steve, Sam, and Tony all on the board. 100%. And then make a decision on which leadership you want for that game. And with, you know, with some of these mini-con announcements, that is way more feasible. That's so true. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, this character is super fun. I think there's one more thing we have to mention about him, and it's it's one of his cards. But it's also a stealth buff to Corset Tony Stark. Of course. And I just love this card. is Helios Laser Bombardment. His range 5, strength of 2. Of course, doesn't cost anything. But during Tony Stark's activation, any number of allied characters may, may spend power to play this card. Tony Stark may use the Helios Laser Bombardment attack shown above once this activation. So now let's read the actual text on the attack. This attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. That hurts my storm team a lot. 
add dice to this attack roll equal to the amount of power spent to play this card. <laughs> Late game, this can be a monster. There's no cap on that. And on a wild, you're going to trigger sweep and clear. After this attack is resolved, enemy characters within range two of the target character suffer one damage. It's an even more powerful explosive. I think it's a very good card, especially for late game. It's just a late game bomb. If you're fed, it can be insane. And it's a high threat model killer. Exactly. I fear this with me planning on playing a lot of Dormammu, right? As I should fear this. Yeah. Because you can pay power from your whole team, Chris, globally, anywhere on the board. So any amount of power they want to give Tony for this attack, they give him. They talked about on the streams, they have seen a 22 dice Helios laser on Dormammu in particular. And it definitely killed him. Very fun. So it's just going to be fun to roll those dice and it's going to feel good, you know? It's a buff to Corset Tony Stark, and it's great for Hulkbuster, but it also was, it's future-proof, because they put Tony Stark on this. So any other Tony Starks we will get in the future, if we get them, can use this card as well. It doesn't say, like, Hulkbuster or Iron Man. It just says Tony Stark. That's awesome. The other card that comes in this pack, Chris, is pretty simple, but it's actually pretty dynamic. It's called Fall Back. It's unaffiliated and reactive. When an allied character is attacked, before damage is dealt it may spend two power to play this card. This character may advance short away from the attacking character. This is like a, I have the objective and I am getting away. And it's just movement. It's movement on during one of their activations. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Could mess up their plan, right? Exactly. So Chris, my final thoughts on Hulkbuster is I think the leadership is the icing on top. Same with new plan. That's just the extreme icing on top. But this model is probably one of the strongest models in the game, without a doubt. He is a sixth threat. And I think it's just cool that you can pivot to this leadership if you need to, though you're always probably going to choose Steve or Sam first. And this character is probably good in Steve and Sam's teams. I think this character is very good in Steve's team. Now, Chris, think about this and think about new plan. I want you to frame this for a second. Do you know where this guy is probably going to be absolutely terrifying? Oh, please tell me. Next to Jennifer and A-Force... You've got a She-Hulk and oh a Hulkbuster coming at the table. But more importantly, neither one of them will have any issues of power that game because of the A-Force leadership. And New Plan is actually more feasible probably than any other affiliation because of that. I love it. I'm so excited. Gotta try this. He can throw terrain too. So slots right into Brotherhood too if you want to get crazy. And Magneto can feed him a lot I of do. power from, from the ruins. So New Plan... Seems more feasible in affiliations like that. And I, of course, I think when you're playing a character like Hulkbuster, you're going to play tactics cards that potentially oh give him gosh, power yeah. as well and kind of enable him. I don't think you're planning on doing new plan. If it happens, it happens. But I think if you plan on getting him more power through affiliations and through cards, it's all just going to feed his kit. And then maybe you will get new plan on top of that one day. And that's very exciting. But Chris, we got to move on to a character that I was very excited about being in the game for obvious reasons. Me too. She's a very popular character and representation matters. And she's a, a modern Marvel character that has truly taken off. Here's what's crazy, though. AMG did it again. They blew me away with a character design. I thought she was going to be a pretty dynamic, like Spider-Man type, Ant-Man sort of brawler character with some shenanigans. Turns out she does have that. But I did not expect what we got of Miss Marvel here. 
she's very interesting. I think she's going to be, I, she might be one of the most interesting three threats in the game already. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things like you sit down and you, you read Ant-Man and Wasp's cards. You don't actually grasp it until you play them a couple times and you really truly understand how crazy it is with the transformations and their cards changing. And they took that to the next level with Kamala because her base sizes change dramatically. She goes from small to large. She goes from, you know, Spider-Man size to Hulk size of her transformations. But they also made her two sides very dynamically different. You know, Ant-Man and Wasp, they kind of get attack and defense bonuses on their different sides and they can interact with tokens or not interact with tokens. She's the opposite. Like she's completely powerful on both sides in different ways. And that's cool. You've got to make the right decision. So let's talk about her normal side first, and then we'll talk about her embiggen side. So First of all, her stats are a stamina of five, and her defenses are three physical, four energy, three mystic, and Chris, you already mentioned she is a three threat. Now, on, yes. on her normal side, she has a move of medium and a height of two. Very normal for a three threat. On her embiggen side, she has a move of medium and a height of four. But that base size... Tulk. Yes, it's, it's a much larger base size, so that medium move is more like a long move. Oh, absolutely. So on her normal side, she has a physical attack called Morpho Punch. It's range four, which is awesome. And it's very cool. Only four dice, but zero power. After the attack is resolved, Miss Marvel gains one power, and it has a wild push. If the target character is sized two or less before damage is dealt, the target character may be pushed towards this character short. So she's got a pull. You know, they call them push for easiness of the rules, but when I read the web warriors right. and things like that, I always say pull to kind of help you visualize it at home. So Chris, this is not a powerful attack, but this is a pull, which is already very dynamically different. Yes, being able to pull your enemy out of position towards you, getting them into, you know, range of more attacks and just out of out of position, just too far forward, it can be very punishing if you get lucky on that wild roll at the right time. Absolutely. But we got to talk about her superpowers on this side, and then we'll talk about the back because it gets very complex quickly. So she has a active superpower called Embiggen. It costs three. This character now transforms into Miss Marvel Embiggened. The superpower can only be used once per turn. Okay. Just like Ant-Man, but it costs a lot more. She also has an active superpower called Take Out the Trash. It costs three power. Choose an interactive train feature or enemy character, both sides two or less and within range three, and throw it short. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So a good throw, not an incredible throw, because only size two characters or less, Chris, but it's within range three, and then you throw them short. So once again, she can just reach with her arms, and it's very cool. Closing out her card on this side, she is an inhuman, something that we've seen in the game, but now when you factor into a character like this, it gets kind of crazy. This character may reroll one die in its attack and defense rolls, and she has immunity to poison, like the other inhumans. The immunity to poison will play a large role later in the game's life cycle, I do believe. Being able to reroll on those those four attacks to possibly get that wild, that's real big. Yeah, and she's got the Web Warriors affiliation on all of her defenses. And her defenses are above average, Chris, right? She's 3-4-3. Three, three. You especially love to see that four on the energy defense, just mm -hmm. because, like you said earlier in the episode, that is now the lowest represented, lowest dice representation of any defense. Yes, in the game at the moment. So having somebody that has that extra dice against something that 
some folks are gonna you know really prioritize energy attacks that just it just helps it, it's a nice niche you know kind of on the margins change that uh, in combination with other things all really add up absolutely but i think we got to move on to her in big inside chris if you want to read her strike on that side it is high five it is a physical attack it has a range of three power of five and costs no power it is essentially a strike. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. An extra dice, five strength's pretty nice with the reroll, and you get the, uh, you know, it, this is how you're going to gain more power with her. Yeah, five dice with a reroll is not quite six dice, but it's on its way, which is pretty cool. So she, of course, is still an inhuman on this side. She may reroll one dice in her attack or defense rolls. Oh, and she also has the immunity to poison, but she has two more innate superpowers. First one is morphogenetics. When making attacks, if the target character is smaller than Miss Marvel, this character may reroll two of its attack dice. So now we're up to three attack dice rerolls, Chris. Additionally, at the end of this character's activation, it transforms into Miss Marvel normal. So you have to transform because this would be out of control if we had a three threat. Yeah. They could always 100%. But... The coolest part of her card, in my opinion, Chris, is the innate superpower Polymorph. This character may mm-hmm. interact with objective tokens within range two of it instead of the normal range one. So we already have a large base that moves medium that can reach range two, Chris. And here's what's also crazy. She's going to transform at the end of her turn. So you could move medium with a large base. You could interact range two like Toad, pick up a civilian, and then now you have to transform back into Miss Marvel. You transform range one away. She is a extract monster. Oh, yeah. I, I think she's going to be an, an extract all-star. And very big brain. I think you're going to see a lot of really cool plays with her. I really like this character a lot. Something I just kind of want to point out. Notice nothing on her in big inside costs any power. Right. So... You can go ahead and embiggen as soon as you have free power. You don't need that power reserve in the bank. You don't need to be, you know, fully juiced up to be able to get in there and mix it up with her. But the difficult part of this, Chris, and the the big brain part you're talking about is you don't want to embiggen unless you want to attack and probably reach for an objective range too. If you right. can't do one of those things or probably both of those things, you don't want to be big yet because she always has transformed back into her normal form. So very dynamic character, very complex. I think she slots right in my web warrior team immediately, which <laughs> is absurd because she's getting rerolls for days on her defense and her attacks and web warriors. And She's extracting like crazy. The dichotomy I was talking about earlier, Chris, is on her normal side. She is a really strong, secure character because she can pull people, she can throw characters in terrain, and she can sit on points and reroll attack and defense size really well. But then on her Embiggen side, she's a bruiser beater, and she's also a extract monster. So she's got completely different sides to her kit and you want to be using both of them correctly. It's, it's like hood, man. Like we, we just went through hood last episode. She's a Swiss army knife. I think she's going to be super fun. I really like her. I know this is kind of basic or whatever, but in Steve's Avengers in big and only costing two, mm-hmm. being able, maybe last activating her or, or close to the end, being able to get up there and big and, and possibly throw a big high five, generate some power, grab a token. It, you know, I just think it could make for some really cool plays. Couldn't agree more. And Chris, 
closing out Kamala, they did the cool thing. They gave her a card that works with Captain Marvel and a card that works with Miles. So we're going to go through those pretty quick. And this is super cool. The first one is called Fan Club. It's unaffiliated and reactive. Anytime you have Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel on a list, you can play this. There's no affiliation restriction. When an allied Captain Marvel uses the Danvers special superpower, the binary form superpower, or the rocket punch attack, so pretty much all the things she does except her strike. After the effect or attack is resolved, an allied Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, may spend three power to play this card. If Captain Marvel uses the Danvers special superpower, Miss Marvel may throw an interactive terrain feature or enemy character of size three or less within range two. It is now thrown short. So this is actually better than her normal throws because she is seeing Carol do things on the field and she's inspired. If Captain Marvel used binary form, Miss Marvel normal may transform into embiggened. After transforming, push all enemies within range two of Miss Marvel away short in an order of your choosing. I love that one. <laughs> and, you know, Miss Marvel's We'll talk about it later. Yep. And if Captain Marvel used the rocket punch attack, Miss Marvel may advance medium towards that target character. So she's joining the fight if Carol just rocket punched somebody. This is so cool, Chris. This gives a lot of play to Miss Marvel, but also more importantly, it's encouraging you to play Captain Marvel. Which I am all for. This is going to be very, very cool in A-Force especially. Yeah. We're assuming that Miss Marvel is going to be A-Force on top of Carol already being A-Force. So... That is my assumption, yeah. This is very good. Chris, I think uh, we got a Miles card to talk about. Well, the card you are referring to, sir, is a Better Tomorrow. Excellent name. It is unaffiliated, and it, it is active. If Miles Morales is within range two of an allied Miss Marvel normal, both characters may spend two power each to play this card. Miss Marvel transforms into Miss Marvel in Big End. When resolving this transformation, place Miss Marvel in Biggin within range 3 instead of range 1, then place Miles Morales within range 1 of Miss Marvel. This is an awesome way to just <laughs> clear the whole board. Clear the whole board, man. Just get two massive awesome characters across the whole board. It's awesome. Miles is riding on her back. Very cool. And then web swinging away. It's great. I think if you have them in your roster, you're playing this card. And so, like you said, Chris, the first card leans into A-Force, kind of Avengers feel. The second card leans into Web Warriors. I love it. And it's really going to work. I'm a little upset that there's no champions leadership ability here because I, I fully expect the champions to be in this game. And I'm very excited for it. And of course, these two are staples of that team. The heart and soul of that team. You're so right. So... This card is very cool. Chris, how do we make it this far? How do we contain ourselves this much without talking about us getting the Mutants Season 2? Cue the music. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. It's here. I am one step closer to being able to run my own new mutant squad. There you go. Let's go, baby. Let's go. So we got a new trailer on the X-Men stream that was awesome. It was like the great action figure commercials of the 80s and 90s that we grew up on. It reminded me of that Crossfire commercial that now all oh, yes. all people of a certain age now have the uh, theme song stuck in their head. But Myself for some right reason, now. it just had that in, it put that right in my 
the forefront of my brain. I can see that. Yeah, I was getting Crossfire Transformers vibes, you know, kind of that mix of those. And also the Blackbird made an appearance again. That's something I really want, Chris, because right now for, with Fury's Finest, we do have a Blackbird in our terrain pool, which is very exciting. Oh, yeah. But it is a realistic Blackbird. It's more like the modern Fox movies where it's just a Blackbird. It's great. It's on the Helicarrier board all the time and on the Xavier board. But seeing that Blackbird the straight from the cartoon i want that chris i'm i'm you know i'm a big terrain guy and i've gotten pretty good at painting terrain so I, i'm ready to tackle that i think but i don't know if it's coming it's just in the trailer but what is coming i mean come on yeah it's coming are these characters chris oh buddy so the trailer is pretty cool because it brought all the characters back from the first trailer but then they started introducing all the new characters as like action figure expansions so of course we first see the juggernaut which is awesome. He's on a large base. He's coming. I have been waiting. <laughs> waiting for the day. And then they show Colossus. And then they show mm. Magic. And then they show Rogue. And then they show Gambit. Like, they just kept going, Chris. It was kind of crazy. And every sculpt is <laughs> magnificent. I don't even like Gambit that much, but his sculpt is just, just so well executed. It's so, so Good. You don't like him anymore. Past tense. Young Chris was a large fan, a huge oh, fan of Gambit. Oh, yeah, but adult Chris understands problematic people and behavior, and now he doesn't like Gambit. Yeah, he is a problematic guy, but he is very cool. It's just his character design, you know? And they somehow nailed every character's design, Chris, but also feel. For real. their feel. I would not choose any other pose for Gambit. Juggernaut is physically moving the base. They showed the, the rocks moving behind him. He has, he has his own base. <laughs> You know, he's so cool. He's constant motion. You can have him with a, a traffic light club or just a punching fist. But I mean, like there's options there. And then my boy Colossus, I was not ready for the sculpt. Chris, like Colossus is mid tearing a Sentinel to pieces. And then we saw the pieces of the Sentinel on the board because that's a terrain pack coming with a Roxxon corner store. Yes. The Roxxon bodega, a Roxxon Corner store, bodega. That's right. I hate Roxon, Roxon, and I think that they may be bringing him to the game eventually. And I'm just, I'm can't wait to kill him. But <laughs> Magic is who I am most excited about. Yes, the Colossus sculpt is great. It is exactly what you want from a Colossus sculpt, and the throwing in of the the Sentinel arm. And I think he's stepping on a Sentinel piece as well. The face. It's it's pretty cool, and it's going to be very thematic when they release that sentinel terrain pack as well but we got to get into magic man i'm ready to talk about her but her sculpt is out of control she's mid portal awesome the sword's coming out oh my gosh she's she's rearing back with the soul sword in all of its glory you know magic just streaming off of her and the portal and the soul sword it's great every model is perfect and it's one of those things like are they just making the lizard standard the standard now i really think that that may be the case <laughs> like they made lizard and they're like we can do this we made the best model in the game up to this point let's keep doing this mm -hmm. yeah let's just not stop our jaws were hitting the floor chris when we saw the new spider wave like when we saw craven and carnage and lizard and mysteria we we're like is this real life or is this really the direction they're going well and now this comes out I've got to talk about Rogue. She is busting out of a Sentinel's chest. So we do have a cohesive thing here. We have Scott stepping on a Sentinel piece from season one of the X-Men. We got Colossus crushing a head and an arm. And then we have Rogue busting out of a chest. Looks like she has the core of one of them in her hand. Yes, that was my immediate thought as well. She looks great. So 
we could talk about the sculpts all day, all day, but we got to talk about the characters, Chris. So we do have Magic's card, and I think we should jump right in. Oh, great. So Magic, her alter ego, or I should say her alt ego, she's a very alt girl. She's an alt girl. Is Ileana Rasputin. Of course, that's why I love her. It's true. She has five stamina on her healthy side, five stamina on her injured side. She is a medium mover on a standard size two character base, small base. She is a size two character and a threat cost of three. Her defenses are three physical, three energy, and four mystic. Above average. I'm already loving it. You got to give the nod to the mystic. She is one of the great practitioners of the mystic arts. She's got those Baron Zemo stats, Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's also got three attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about them. The first one is an energy attack. It is Bolts of Oshtor. It is a range four attack, strength four attack, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains one power. It's energy. It's range four. Not terrible. Yeah, man. This is this is what you're using while you're approaching or you need to you know, get that, that odd shot while you're getting into place. I mean, if you can use this, you use it. But only if you can't use this next attack. <laughs> because every time you use, every time you can, you're going to want to use Soul Sword. Soul Sword is a mystic attack. It is a range two attack. Strength five, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger my favoritist, Pierce. Change one of the defending character's critical wild or block results to a blank that's a good close range attack chris oh i love it i love it and it's so evocative of her oh yeah she loves killing man (laughs) it's true so now let's talk about her spender which i i just want to say i am get it out of the way you already know i love it it is dark child it is another mystic attack it is a range three attack Three attacks, three different ranges. Yep. You know, she's positioning is going to be very, very important with her. That's something we can figure out immediately. It is a strength six attack with a power cost of four. Ooh. It's pretty expensive. Ooh. When calculating successes for this attack, magic adds the number of skull results in both the attack and defense rolls to its total. That is insane. That's what Dormammu has. Dormammu does not cost three threats, sir. No, but that's what makes his attack so consistent and so damaging. That's why I can't wait to run magic. There's a little more. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed and incinerate special conditions. I love, love, love this attack. Yeah, you're not going to do this all the time, obviously, because it's very expensive. But when you do it, it's going to do a lot. And yes, big spenders are generally sometimes frowned upon but i think with the bleed and the incinerate at the end of that the fact that you're using a character's large defense dice pool against them right in a way right. with this attack also adds to its value there but it is expensive and you are going to be spending power quite a bit on her only active superpower this power is limbo step extremely thematic jesse oh we're getting our first like full-fledged self-teleporting character in the game i mean mark my words this is our warm-up for nightcrawler anyway the power cost be excited (laughs) the power cost favorite for limbo step is 
X. Magic may spend one to three power to use this superpower. Place magic within range X of its current position, where X is the amount of power spent. This superpower can only be used once per turn. This is awesome. It's one of the most insane superpowers I've ever seen. I'm not saying insane like broken. Like I'm saying like we have to rethink the game. Exactly. It's exactly when we did Voodoo a couple episodes ago. The game is being reframed for all of us because there's things that are just breaking rules. And, you know, MCP is a airtight game of positioning and she's breaking positioning rules. That's why she's going to be perfect for me. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not forget we have one... Very rad innate ability, and it is Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, and I'm very excited to do this lore episode. It will be, might be an adults-only episode for lore, but man, her story is very cool. The superpower reads thusly, when magic is defending against a mystic attack, for each wild in the defense role, magic may change one of the attacker's crit wild or hit results to a blank. Magic gains one power for each die changed this way. Reverse Pierce. Just don't target her with don't target her with Mystic Attacks. You just can't. She has a four dice dice pool there, and every wild she gets just makes her stronger and hurts you. Yeah. I mean, come on. She's piercing your attack it. dice with defense. With portals. I think she might be an anti mystic three. Yeah. Just every time, if you can sneak her in, if you see that that big mystic team uh, that they've teased yeah. uh, across the table, you you might just have to put her in. It's like Chris. At first glance, I read her three attacks, and I'm like, oh, she's a budget Corvus. I, I really like this. But then you get into her two superpowers that are all mm-hmm. about positioning and you know defensive tech, and you're like, okay, she's got something different that Corvus doesn't even have. So. I find this character incredibly compelling. I mean, same Colossus is my number one guy in this box. Cause I just love the character, but like just looking at MCP and seeing the sculpt and seeing how this character plays, I think it's pretty obvious. She, she's going to play more dynamically than Colossus, but Colossus can be his own thing entirely. And unfortunately we don't have his card yet, but he is in her pack. I have a sneaking suspicion that he is going to be a very tanky man. I would agree. But Magic does have a card, Chris, and I can talk about it real quick. It's unaffiliated and active. During Magic's activations, she may spend three power to play this card. Choose another character within range two of Magic. Place the chosen character within range three of its current position. It gains the Incinerate special condition. You love to see it. <sighs> we do. And now she's teleporting enemies around. This is very powerful. On top of her teleporting around. I love it. I think that once her and Nightcrawler are in the game. Yes. It is going to just be one just extremely fun team to play. I can't wait for Nightcrawler. Oh, I know you can't, buddy. Uh, it's hard, man. He takes the top of my X-Men list, and there's a lot of people right behind him, but he's the top. Let's move on to one of those characters that I know is right behind him for mm-hmm. you. I like all these light side guys, man. All these super light side I know, characters. I know. This is, this is very cool, actually. <laughs> but we got Rogue, and we got her card, and... It is not disappointing. Jesse, I don't think it is a stretch, and it does not take someone extremely smart to see that she is immediately stepping into to the place as one of the top four threats in the game. I would say so. She's definitely in the upper half, and time will tell if she's at the top top, 
But I think they made a good call here, Chris, because I think as a developer, you're in a weird spot. It's like, do I make Rogue 4 or do I make her 5? And I think them kind of leaning into she's a finesse 4 that has insane power spikes. You nailed it. Is you nailed it. so good. So let's talk about Rogue. Anna Marie LeBeau, she has, Chris, a lot of stamina. <laughs> yeah. She has six on the front and six on the back. She's a tanky gal. She's a medium mover and a height of two and a threat cost of four. And her defenses are four physical, three energy, and three mystic. So she is very tanky. Her first attack is the absorbing strike. It's a physical attack. Range two, strength of five, power cost of zero with a lot of text. I'm like, this is physical. What? <laughs> I know. And then you read it. Before choosing a target, this character chooses whether attack's type is physical or energy. After the attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt, and she has a wild trigger of sap power. Before damage is dealt, the target character loses one power for each wild and rogue's attack roll, and this character now gains that amount of power. This is a powerful builder. Rogue loves rerolls. Green Goblin is crying with his builder right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am because I play him, but this is so strong, Chris. This is awesome. And I just, I love the point in Rogue's story that they chose to introduce her to the game. Uh, Good this, point. This version of Rogue, you know, this is the classic X-Men 92 version. You've all seen the sculpt by now, but she's wearing that classic oh, yeah. latex green and yellow with the the bomber jacket, real cool, the the gray streak. The art's really good on the card, but she really represents the the fantasy of this character it, that you've had this this kind of headcanon you've built from your memories of of seeing her in the cartoon. And I'm, of course, I'm an X Men lover, so of course you're getting this deep dive on this <laughs> and me trying to be you know smart or something. But I just love what they've done. This feels exactly like the rogue of that era. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And we'll have to talk about that in our lore episode, Chris, because rogue is one of those characters. She's very complex. She has quite a story and her powers range from era to era dramatically. So I was kind of curious how they were going to do her also kind of the, how are they going to do this character that absorbs powers and then uses that power to fight? Like it's just, it's a different thing entirely, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute as we talk about her superpowers. So moving on, she has a spender. It's another physical attack called Southern hospitality. It's range two, a strength of seven and a power cost of three. And it just has a clause, no wild or anything. If the target character is size Four or less after the attack is resolved, no damage dealt or anything, you can throw the target short. Oh, I love it. Size That's four. Just, I mean, a lot of people would pay more than three for a size four throw. Yep. But this one has seven attack dice attached to it. It's insane. This is nothing short of awesome. One of the best spenders in the game, straight up. I'm calling it now. Yep. And you're going to do it because it is one of those best ones. But we got to move on to her superpowers, Chris, because she has a lot. Her first one is charge, it's that better than hit and run. You love that she has it. It costs two power. She does take an action. This character immediately makes a move followed by an attack action. This can only be used once per turn. But like I said earlier, this is the better version of Hit and Run. So she's got mobility too. Moving on, she has an active superpower called Marvelous Strength that costs three power. Choose an interactive train feature of size four or less and within range two and throw it medium. Superpower can only use once per turn. So once again, another Chris great throw. We're getting a size four terrain throw not as good as characters but a size four throw for three discount <laughs> she's she's so good already but she's got more i know so this is where she really comes into the rogue yes. we know she has an active superpower called mutant absorption cost two power choose an enemy character within range two of rogue 
Roll five dice. The chosen character loses power equal to the number of crits, wilds, and hit results. Straight up. If the chosen character would lose more power than it has, it then suffers one damage for each power it could not lose. The chosen character does not gain power for the damage suffered this way, so the enemy damage power effect clause is gone. The super can only be used once per turn. Chris is fanning himself. This is... This is, this is insane, what we want her man. to do, man. Like, and it's a third attack, man. Well, it's like not only is she one of the most powerful mutants at this given time, and especially onward, but I mean, she becomes stronger than a lot of superheroes in the Marvel Universe at given times, Chris. I know this. Someone who's less experienced in the Marvel canon as you, and this is indicative of that because it's like, how powerful are you? Are you Ghost Rider sitting on a lot of power? She's going to walk up to you and touch you and do a lot of damage to you if you can't lose enough power. It's like an inverse of the pen and stare where pen and stare, you're holding on to power and you get punished for it. This is, she targets you at an opportune moment when you don't have that much power and just does a lot of pings to you underneath that. <laughs> There's more. Then it's probably going to charge, <laughs> charge you. And then with that power, Southern hospitality you and throw you. I know. Closing out her card, Chris, she has two innate superpowers that are, insane she has Cree mutant physiology when rogue would suffer damage from any effect reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one we know how powerful that is oh my and then she has flight because of course she does and she has immunity to poison i mean just runner at people man you can just go like she's so tanky she's also one of those characters chris like she's tanky and hits hard and controls well you could blind pick her into any team She's going to be one of those models. 100%. And I guess they knew this because I guess they knew most people wanted Rogue and Gambit just model-wise, right? Yeah. Because we sure. all do. They're iconic models and silhouettes and character designs. And they knocked it out of the park, man. I am so excited to read Gambit's card after reading this. It's insane. Yes. Gambit's card is going to be very cool. I suspect he will be a very good character i don't know what what era they're going to choose from but much like rogue he has been extremely powerful at times but rogue has two cards chris if you're ready to get into these and they're crazy i i love them i'll, I'll take the first one because you're better at the complicated ones the first one is called mind if i cut in it is unaffiliated. It is active. Rogue may play this card. This round, when an enemy character is choosing the target character for a non-area or non-beam attack, and Rogue is in range and line of sight, the enemy character may pay one power. If they do not, the attack must target Rogue, if possible. Wow. So, presumably, you've already drained them of power, or mm -hmm. a little bit. But honestly, just the threat of her being able to drain you of power makes you not want to pay that power and she loves getting hit she wants that power mm -hmm. this is cool this is cool. yeah she's got a one-time bodyguard you know we've we've talked about recently how powerful heroes for hire is for cage and iron fist oh yeah great card how good bodyguard is on steve and okoye so this is a awesome and welcome addition to the game but closing out rogue chris we do have pardon me sugar and it's a unaffiliated active card that has a lot of text during rogue's activations she may play this card select one of the following effects i love these cards chris so much me me too. as a thematic player like when they start rolling these out with x-force like oh if bob's mm -hmm. in your squad with deadpool do this if wolverine's in your squad with deadpool do this it's so good so she selects one of the following things this is exactly like the miss marvel card we mentioned earlier 
If Wolverine is within range two of Rogue, Rogue gains healing factor two superpower this activation. Wolverine suffers one damage. If Cyclops is within the range two of Rogue, Rogue may use the optic blast attack listed on his stat card once this activation. Cyclops suffers one damage. If Storm is within range two of Rogue, Rogue adds two dice to all of her attack rolls for the next attack action she makes this activation. Storm suffers one damage. If Deadpool is within range two of Rogue, choose an enemy character within two of Rogue. The chosen character loses two power. Deadpool suffers one damage. And if Magneto is within range two of Rogue, she gains cover against all attacks targeting her this round. Magneto suffers one damage. Chris, they did it. My my biggest thing was... They really did do it. How could they do her touching her allies and enemies or, you know, our uneasy alliances? She has been a Brotherhood member at times. That's why I'm having Magneto's on here. She's taking their power for one turn. Not only is this just very cool and extremely thematic but from a gameplay standpoint this is so extremely flexible yeah <laughs> chris you should be excited about this this is awesome an x-men player i'm so ex- i am extremely excited about this like rogue and gambit are not my favorite characters but they're great in this game apparently so let's go well it's one of those things like they're not some of your favorite characters on necessarily who they are but we knew day one when this game was announced and we saw what the characters were that AMG oh. was going to do incredible things with Rogue and Gambit on their kits. They're just going to sell so many boxes. These two characters. And that aside, Chris, I think they they have such room to make interesting ha- things happen on these characters. You know, they're you know a lot of the X Men are one note, and that's intentional because that's their thing. You know, Rogue's yeah. not one of the one note characters. And even Gambit's got some weird things on top of his actual superpowers that he does as well. So I'm very excited about this box. It's out of control. But we do have one Gambit card. So it might give us an idea what he's like. It's called Charming Thief. It's unaffiliated reactive. During the power phase, Gambit may play this card. So he has to play at the top of a round. This round, when any character within range four of Gambit uses a active or reactive superpower... Gambit gains one power after they resolve that effect. He has the soul stone for one round, Chris. This is awesome. Oh, I love it. And I have a feeling that he's going to be able to use that power very, very well. But I think the art on this card gives us great insight into which Gambit we're getting. And it appears to be the classic Gambit that is paired with Rogue in that X-Men 92 cartoon universe. That's what the sculpt looks like too, right? Yeah, the, the long kind of frock coat collared and the weird pink bodysuit chris the last card we have to talk about today is dead to say for last because we don't have his card but we do have a colossus tactics card and what what do you know the name is so recognizable and the community has been clamoring for this and it's here we've wanted it for a long time it's the fastball special it's what you think of when you think of Colossus and Wolverine on a team together, and it's what this game can actually enable. It's unaffiliated and active. If Colossus is within range two of an allied Wolverine, both characters may spend only one power to play this card. That's pretty great. Yeah, I really like throw that. Throw the allied Wolverine medium. Wolverine does not suffer collision damage during this throw. Enemy characters that he collides with roll two fewer dodge dice and suffer the bleed special condition. Also, Chris, let's not forget, Wolverine has that special superpower adamantium skeleton where he counts as a very large model when he's being thrown into yes, other models. sir you know i've had an, an interesting evolution on my thinking with this card because when i first saw it i immediately thought turn one of course we all did <laughs> it's obvious just 
how far up can we get Wolverine turn one? Mm -hmm. But then you think about what you just said. So Wolverine is size two, you know, counts as size three. So that's that's four collision dice. That's right. Plus you just threw (laughs) the little hateful Canadian in the middle of the action. I mean, what more can you want? They lose two dodge dice, Chris. We've never seen that. This is like (laughs) a buffed Black Panther's pounce. But then they it's lose so cool. dice, and then the thing pouncing on them is way bigger than Black Panther's pounce. <laughs> and meaner and sharper claws. Yeah, then you could do Weapon X program and make him pounce. I'm so excited for these. These are all what the changes and what we were wanting mm-hmm. when the mutants were announced the first time. And this is these are the teams, these are the powers, these are the things that we were expecting and wanting and hoping for. And, and I'm just so happy the day has arrived. Well, at least the announcements, of course. Who knows when we'll get the models here in the States. There is a shipping crisis in the world right now. It's very rough. Right. Not AMG's fault by any means. So please do not take it as if I said something like that. So, Chris, that's all the new model reveals. But AMG, last MCP stream of the last day, actually dropped the craziest and most exciting thing on us. As content creators of this game, as players of this game, and as members of this community... This was the most exciting in my mind. And we got rules changes for the game going forward. They said they wanted to have rules changes at the two-year anniversary mark, which we know is coming up in November. But also, they're doing it, Chris. They are changing, tweaking, and errating some, if not probably a large portion of the core set and the early waves of this game to be in line with the recent waves and have everything on a equal bell curve. The way they described it is they had a big swing. I think the example we can all go off of is Modoc. If there's a bell curve of all the fives in the game, Modoc was at the highest peak on one side of it, right? Right. They want the curve flattened and they want all the fives in line with each other, but have strengths and weaknesses that are different from each other. I, I loved the way they phrased this, and that was that they weren't necessarily trying to to flatten the bell curve, yes. but reduce the the length of it. Yes. So it's just a much smaller variance between the ebbs and the flows of meta changes and rules changes and things like that. I loved the way they put that and explained it, and I'm extremely happy after seeing the changes to Modoc. So next episode, we're going to get into these changes in great, great detail, but I'm, we're just going to cover the big sweeping changes right now because they are pretty cool. So Chris, when you sit down and play this game with your opponent, you roll five dice to see who gets priority. The player with more hits, crits, and wilds gets priority. If there's a tie, the player with more crits wins the tie. Then it goes to wilds. Then it goes to hits. That's if you really have to keep tying on all those. But What's important about that is for a long time, especially in the competitive community, that's very powerful because the player with priority gets to choose whether they're playing from their secure deck or their extract deck, their blue and red respectively. And that's a pretty big boon for that player. Absolutely. They've maintained that in the game. If you win priority, you still choose the deck you want. But originally you would choose the deck you want, shuffle it, set one card aside, and then look at the two you had left. And that's the objective you're choosing for this match of the secure extract you pulled from. So you get to choose your favored one best two out of three. So in essence, you really only had to have two 
cards in there that you knew how to play and ha- yes. game planned for because you were guaranteed to have at least one of them every time. And one card sometimes was taken as a random pick and sometimes one card was taken as a anti-pick. And this is getting very meta heady and all that. And we don't do that here, but it is important to frame this just this idea going forward why they changed this because certain crises were being played over and over again because of this. Just kind of things that people right. knew, guaranteed their list was always good at it. They were always going to choose blue and they're always going to choose X objective. That's now changed. So now when you win priority, you choose the color of deck and then your opponent has to choose from the opposite deck. But now you shuffle the three cards and pull one out at random. And that's the one you're playing with on this mission. And both players do this. I absolutely love this rule a lot. We were really excited about this, Chris, you and I, we immediately were talking about this on discord and the patron community how much we like this because we think this rewards not only new players, but it also rewards experienced, strong, reactive players and players that can adapt. Well, and this coupled with the next change we're going to talk about, I just, I have some thoughts, so let's move along and, and we'll, we'll get to it and then I'll do the thing. Well, the next change, Chris, is we went from bringing eight tactics cards and you have to take it down to five for your match to 10 tactics cards. That's right. We made it and even 10 and 10. I love it so much. 10 tactics cards, 10 models. That's what's in your list. That's what's in your roster. This is going to be a incredible tool for me, Chris, with all my planned demo days and things coming up for players, because I can tell them 10 tactics cards, 10 models, and you cut that 10 down to five for the mission. Coupled with the rule before it, the rule changed before it, and even more that we're going to discuss, this is just opening up list building. And with the added randomness in the scenarios decks, you have to even think about the way you build lists differently yes. going forward. And coupled with, you know, what the rules changes will be when, you know, version two fully comes out, I really think the game's about to open wide up. I couldn't agree more, Chris. And this change is more dynamic than we think. And this is something I'm going to get into next week's episode a lot. But this just enabled so many named characters cards, which is my favorite cards. Mm-hmm. That rogue card we just read that's so Swiss Army knife and so versatile. You have no problem putting that in your ninth or tenth slot now. You have no problem with that if she's in your list. There's something else that's that's kind of happening here. And I really feel that they are have are moving a lot of the onus from that kind of pre-game turn zero yes. stuff to actual reactive gameplay, list building, character picks. It's going to be focusing the player base, especially the competitive player base, on practicing with certain teams, not just this is what I do rounds one, two, and three. It's going to reel in the competitive scene in a lot of ways, like where they were just max min maxing that turn zero. And also like, it's just going to make games more interesting, Chris, like the most exciting change of this is we're going to see more variety of tactics cards, more varieties of crises, more random combinations of blue and red crises in tandem. This is a crazy, crazy thing. It's like there are certain crises people picked very, very little of the time. And now that one's just going to be picked because it's going to be randomly chosen. And then we're going to see new combinations of that particular crisis with X crisis. That's cool. That's going to be good for all of our play and make us all better players. First off, I agree wholeheartedly, but like I was kind of alluding to before, this changes 
this changes list building yes. completely. You have to factor in a lot more contingencies now because you're going to be seeing characters that you just didn't see beforehand because they're going to have access to those cards that make them very powerful. Mm-hmm. You're going to be seeing more characters just simply because the characters are bring, brought more in line, just like we talked about. That bell curve yeah. variance is is shrinking. There's still some that are better and, and niche, and there's still a lot of margin picks, like I talked about a little bit earlier. That's why we have the specialists. Exactly. But they're now going to be more competitive less kind of outliers, less overpowered characters, you have to be prepared for a lot more. And don't take that as a daunting task, listener, when Chris describes it like that. Oh, no. What I will say, Chris, about this is this makes the crises less daunting. Yes. It makes your your roster, it makes the onus on you making your roster more important. And here's what's cool about this. If you always knew what crisis you were going to play, most people had three or four models they were always going to play. And then they would have a flex model or two they added onto that. Now, that's not going to be the case so much because any threat level can come out. Any crisis can come out in particular. So it's beneficial for you to have a dynamic list. It's beneficial for you to have multiple threes that are all different that you like to play, but that are all do different things. But also your list needs to be cohesive with itself. So before it was kind of like people were metagaming the crisis thing and they were kind of having a core roster that they liked. And then they had flex characters in that. Now you're just building a 10 unit roster. That's going to try to do it all, but also just one that you're really proud of and know how to field. I think that one makes the game a little bit more thematic. Yes. You know, these response teams, these heroes go out, they never know exactly what they're getting into, but moreover, it's just very exciting. I, I'm just, these are, some changes that I am I'm very excited for because I'm way better at this style of play that we're shifting towards than I am the the previous competitive style of play. So I'm extremely excited about this for mostly that reason. But I also think it's less daunting for newer folks to maybe dabble in competitive with this change. I agree. It's a lot easier to teach the game too. So closing out the changes of the rules, Chris, we have two changes to building rosters, which are very healthy for the game. First one is pretty simple. I'm just going to go over it real quick. (laughs) This is something that came up in our last episode. So it's funny because you were talking about taking both strangers in your defenders, midnight sun's roster. That was not possible until now. So originally, you couldn't have two characters of the same alter ego in a list. Even if they had different names, it didn't matter. Now, you can have two characters of the same alter ego in a list. So you could have, if you really wanted to, two Peter Parkers in your list. There's nothing stopping you. You just can't have two Peter Parkers on the field at any given time. So that's the only downside to this for you, because obviously you could never put them on the field together. But... Because they're the same person. Well, we don't want that. We anyway. don't want that. We certainly don't want that. But it is cool because now that probably should have never been in the game. I, I was probably a, a proofing thing early on to create cohesive gameplay. Right. But now they're confident in it. And I, I think they mentioned in the stream, the new Doctor Strange is why they did this, Chris, because they said they want you to have both Stranges. They want you to have this kind of all-arounder Strange in the core Strange and then this sort of mm-hmm. damage-centric Strange in the new Sorcerer Supreme. And it felt bad if you can only take one or the other, if you really like Doctor Strange. And it right. shouldn't because they're so different, right? And it's actually worthwhile to bring both in your roster if you're planning on playing Strange every game, a Strange. So they just got rid of that. 
And that's awesome. Oh, I absolutely love it as well. And this this is also this is great for Spider Man. Let's be it's honest. It's great for the future of Spider Man, right, Chris? I'm well, I'm of smiling. course. I know. I know you're very excited about all this, but not only yeah, I'm expecting more Peter Parker models in the future. Yeah, I want all the Peter Parkers in this game, and I'm a niche market, but that's how it's going to be. And I cannot wait to be on the Facebook group when a new Peter Parker is revealed and all the people are very upset about, oh, you didn't put out Aww. X character before another Peter Parker. The salt mines. Salt mines, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, guys. It seems like AMG is going to release every character they possibly can eventually. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I I have no fear. I'm Yeah. Like I said, when I when I mentioned the uh, new mutants team, I wasn't joking. Like the the deeper we get into this, the more I think that a lot of those characters are just inevitable because they are they're already hitting some deep cuts, man. And if you go not even like deep cuts, just like things that we thought might not be possible, you said, "Oh yeah, well, Dormammu's here." The chance of us getting Sentinels went up, and now we have Sentinel destroyed terrain and Sentinels on bases of models and it's like okay they're giving us signs we just will be excited then chris we don't have to speculate or be overexcited now because we have so much to consume right now and closing out the rules changes they did one final roster change that i think is really cool infinity gems do not take up a slot in your 10 models anymore so before say you were playing defenders with the soul stone the soul stone would be your 10th slot and you couldn't have a 10th character you actually had nine characters They've changed this now, Chris. I'm going to have a lot more discussions on this in the future because it does get very complex. Oh, so excited. It's very complex. But basically, they changed it in a dynamic way. They say no one takes up a slot, but the trade-off there is when you make your roster, that gem has to be stapled to the character you want it on, and that character always has to take the gem. So Doctor Strange with the Soul Gem is always going to be Doctor Strange with the Soul Gem at six threat. He will never be Doctor Strange at five threat ever again if you take the Soul Gem in your roster. And same with like Loki and the Mind Gem. So it's one of those things. It is a little bit more work, Chris. You got to be confident in your picks. And mm-hmm. Thanos yeah. players, myself in that group as a Thanos player, like it got a lot harder to plan for your Thanos play, but then at the same time, inversely, you just got a whole bunch of slots in your list open because you had multiple gems to play on Thanos. So there's a there's a give and take here. Well, I think when you couple it with the change in the Crisis cards, yeah, you know, mono mono affiliation Black Order. I I think that's a might be a thing of the past. It and definitely I'm, is. I'm sorry to you folks, but the days of uh, the Splash Black Order are here. Right, because why wouldn't they be, right? We have just Thanos loaded up with gems when you're ready, and then a normal roster alongside him and Corvus and Proxima. So very cool, very cool change. It does make me sad because I did like to play the mind gem on Loki only in certain situations. And so now it's not so much a thing. And same with Star-Lord and Ronin with the power gem. Mm, I'm probably just not playing the power gem on Star-Lord and Ronin, at least until I see some changes with them, which might happen in the future. And speaking of that, Chris, that's my segue into the future. Excellent. Excellent segue. They are doing it finally. It's funny, Chris, because in the past, they never said they wouldn't do this. They said they would strongly think about this if they did it. And But they did say in the past, we will never change threat costs. And I really like that because... People were just clamoring in the past so hard. Change Modoc to six. Change Modoc to six. Change yeah. Modoc to six. I like this better. I want Modoc to stay a five. Now we've seen the sixes. It makes sense the Modoc's a five that he's just brought 100%. down. One hundred percent. He's just brought down a little bit, and that's what we got. 
it's great. I'm on record as saying that I expected this at mm-hmm. some point. I believe I'm 100% sure I've said that in an, uh, an early episode, but it was just relieving to see it come. I'm so excited for some of these changes. Captain America is awesome. Yeah, he's a lot scarier. He just is. Steve Steve is just awesome now. He is a very good like competent to good for threat. He was already a character that was like wildly considered good by the community and even great by the casual community and now he's just great all around. And it's just one of those things, I don't know, he's scary. He scares me now more than ever. Yeah, for real. Modok has been reined in just a little bit. Shuri got a much needed rein in, but was not crippled. I think she's still extremely useful. She's still one of the better threes. Oh, she's still really great. And Jesse, I'll let you take over from here, bud. <laughs> Big congratulations to you here, man. There's one character I've almost played in this game more than anyone, like at least in my top 10%. And some people considered him the worst character in the game, Chris. Shame. His name is Hulk. Not Puny Banner, but Hulk. No. <laughs> And he feels like Hulk now, I'm going to tell you. And we can't talk about all these changes today because we've already had an incredibly long episode and Very we could dense. do a whole episode on Hulk and we probably will. I'm, I'm going to be will. honest. But so excited. They dramatically changed his card. So what's cool is like Steve got a, you know, a subtle knob turn. Shuri and Modoc got very tiny knob turns that made a big difference. And Hulk got a massive knob turn. This is what they said the future is going to be like, Chris. And this is what's crazy. I think the Hulks are like very rare. These big, 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 big changes, you know? But I think yes. these like Steve changes, like turn a dial here, give him additional die, make a throw a size bigger, things like that. Those are going to be popping up. And that's going to be really, really healthy for the game. And Chris, Hulk is immune to stun now. This should have been day one. Mm. He's immune to stun. Much and he needed. builds power. So normally now. So not only is he building power normally, and he has inner rage where he gains more power during the power phase, but also when he's immune to stun, he can't lose power, you know? So it's the same like Wolverine is immune to stun on one side, right? It's so cool. So it makes sense that Hulk would get this. Man, I'm so excited. I, I could talk all day about this. I could as well. Uh, let me just suffice it to say, I think when you put all of these changes together, this game just opened wide up. Oh, absolutely. Like the rule, the blanket rules changes was enough. And then now we're getting changes on the core set characters and onward up to a certain point that's unknown. There's a great chance. I mean, they have to reprint every card to, for every character you've seen even leaked to this point for their new localization project. Congrats to Atomic Mass. Chris, of course, is referring to all the cards being on their side now. And the format of the font and everything has been changed to be more readable multiple languages, accommodate reading disabilities and visual disabilities. I'm here for it, man. This is amazing. Same. I'm, I'm, I want to go on record and publicly state right here, right now, that I love this change. They are 100% more readable, and I'm all for it. They're just future-proofing. But you're right, Chris. Like In the very least, they said we are getting a card pack next spring or summer that's going to cover all these characters up to a given point, like whenever in the future we get the cards made sideways. So like that could be this new X-Men wave or something, maybe, or maybe further out. Right. So that means that we're going to get not necessarily erratas or changes on all characters. I actually don't think most characters are going to be changed, but we're going to get a new format of their cards. And then it's a perfect time to make the changes. And they're doing that. Yes. 
like you said, I don't think it's going to be a ton. I think it's going to be some minor tweaks here and there. But I think those minor tweaks are going to be very big, uh, especially the the knob turning down a little bit on Enchantress. Yes, Valkyrie, I'm sorry. Zemo's days might be number two. Hey, look. (laughs) Hey, you know, they had great runs, and I'm sure they're still going to be useful. Medusa, they're coming for you. Yeah, I... (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I think this is going to be a game more about affiliations and natural teams. Yep. At this point, squishing that bell curve so all the characters are in line with their threat costs. Ghost Rider, baby. Ghost Rider, Gamora, Bullseye, all these characters, oh. you know, they're going to be little tweaks on those characters are going to make a big, big difference, Chris. A big difference. Peter Quill, come on. Shoot, man. Redo their whole affiliation. His leadership is what you're referring to. Yeah, that's yeah, what Rocket I mean, yeah. and Groot, completely fine. 100%. My main man, Ebony Maw, that is actually considered the worst model in the game, oh. worse than Hulk, in all seriousness. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you on this one. He's one of those weird characters that he plays weird. He's unique. He's different. And uh, he should feel powerful because he's a five threat. I, I have a feeling he's going to. I have a feeling to. too, and I can't wait. But we're going to talk about all these changes in future episodes, guys, because there's so much to talk about. I just know, you know, Hulk, not Puny Banner. Well done. Well done. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fury's Finest, and follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or just Marvel discussion. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word about the show. The game's getting localized in a lot of different languages, it seems like. This could be big. So it's very big. Numbers might be going up for everybody. Let's hope. Yeah, let's share the show with as many people as we can. Get get people into this game and just like spread the love. Oh, yeah. You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook on the Marvel Christ Protocol group at Jesse Aiken. And I have a Star Wars show called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? Follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. It's almost thunder season, guys. We made it. Oh, we finally got there. And we made it through this episode, Chris. This was a robust AMG mini stravaganza too. And I did not mention a single Star Wars thing. So that's a victory for the podcast. Incredible. They announced so much on the Star Wars front as well. They're killing it. I'm going to try to catch up with that now that we've recorded this episode. I know so much content, but stay tuned guys for next week when we have a special episode diving into all these card changes and rules changes in super in depth. And then the following weeks are going to be very exciting too. We, we, we hope you are as excited as we are right now because the game is in an incredible spot and I just look forward to the future. Chris, this is an awesome two year anniversary gift to not only the game, but to us, our podcast is two years old now as we're crossing the threshold of September, October, when I started the podcast two years ago. Yep. It's crazy. It's wild. In a lot of ways, it feels like it's been longer. In a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like it's been two years at all. You just described the longest year because the longest year is in there, too. (laughs) 
So I know, man. We hope you guys enjoyed this in-depth episode. We tried to uh, cover everything that we could, but also hold back where we could because there was so much content. Mm-hmm. But there is more content from AMG Minicon, just things that were said on the streams and stuff that we're going to c- cover in future episodes. So please subscribe and stick with us and share this episode with people that you might think are getting into the game because our goal right now is to spread the game as much as possible while it's in the public eye. I mean, Chris, like during the streams on the weekend, you know, talking about nerd culture and famous people, there was a uh, Jessica Chobot was on Twitter posting that she just picked up her MCP corset and she was playing, painting black widow. Come on. How cool is that? That is like a huge boon for all of us because you know, her followers were like, what, what is that? You know, she's painting black widow. What's happening. This is a great time to be an AMG player and similar things happen with star Wars Legion over the weekend as well. So it's, it's a great time. We're in the spotlight. Use this time to be positive and good to each other and just good to your new players and communities. And I encourage you go to a tournament or run a demo day at your store and just spread the love of this game. We've got a lot of table presence now and a lot of uh, people asking questions. And I think it's a perfect time to build the community. Absolutely. And man, like I was saying, the game's about to open wide up. This is the best time to get someone in. It's going to be awesome. I couldn't agree more, Chris. And until next time, guys, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Tin Buck says you're wrong. 